Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 283 is recorded live May 26, 2016. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan where we have some unusual gas prices. Joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. Yeah, did you happen to, to catch that? Uh, that the, the, I don't know. Is this retroactive? They're trying to claim that our unusually high gas prices are caused by a broken uh, oil pipe from Wisconsin and a refinery shut down? I am sure it's merely a coincidence that it's a weekend holiday weekend type thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I've said before, is it must be nice to be in a job where you get rewarded for screwing up. <laughs> you know, have, have a piece of equipment go down and everything that you've already pumped, you just get to charge that much more for. And it always goes down whenever there's a holiday weekend. Oh, of course it, it does. That way, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems like more often than not. Yeah. But that could just be us. Yeah, I just did. Yeah, who, who knows? Us, us, us moaning. You know, we got beautiful weather. We've got uh, a great area. It's the first weekend of summer is coming up, so we have to find something to complain. Well, hopefully, everybody who's listening to the show is having a good time. We'd like to thank you for tuning in. Um, let's go. Let's go ahead and do that thing we call uh, jumping right on into the news. Okay. First article we have is an old scuba company is claiming that I said old QLD scuba company claims dredging is destroying half their daily business. This one's out of uh, Australia. Is it Queensland? Yes, Queensland. Australia. They've been using the site in the northern corner of Wavebreak Island for 36 years and claims the council has ruined it with dredging, pouring sludge right into the water. And isn't that a lovely photo they have there? I wouldn't drink that on a bet. <laughs> no. There's no amount of boiling that is fixing that. A Southport scuba diving and snorkeling company claims it is losing more than half its business doing a dredging pipe pumping sludge, mud, and sand straight into the dive site Oasis. Queensland, Queensland scuba owner Mark uh, Salter, who created a dive site in the northern corner of the Wavebank Island 36 years ago, said he could not take snorkelers out because the water was dirty. Mr. Salter, who said he'd been losing thousands of dollars a day since dredging started last Thursday, is brainstorming another location to take divers who make up the other half of his business. Now, can I say, holy crap, thousands a day? Yeah. He must do a pretty good business. Yeah, that's, you'd see the operators who've been there for 36 years. They've got to figure it figured out. He had it dialed in. If he's making, because losing means, you know, he was making it or implies that it's less than what he was making. Now, that manager looks awful young, doesn't he? Well, down there. It, it does. 
that means we're awful old. <laughs> yeah. I I would say he's he's under twenty five. Looks that way. Yeah. That's not a snorkeling vest either. No. Of course, if you're taking a bunch of crazy snorkelers out there, you might want a uh, full dive gear. Canceled twelve snorkelers nearly every day since. So how much? So is that means how much would you get for a snorkeling trip? Because if you're only canceling twelve, that can't be thousands. Well, they could be ninety dollars a shot. That's a thousand. Do you, would you pay ninety? To, uh, I guess if you've traveled halfway around the world to go to Australia, then maybe you would. It says what, wave what, break. Go ahead. What's a one tank dive? A boat dive cost you around here? Oh, around here. Well, a boat dive, one tank would probably be, well, maybe eighty dollars. Maybe I mean you might be able to get six since you'd. It'd be a single tank, uh, 60. Uh, I truly don't know, actually, around here. It's not going to be. Well, let's, while we're talking about it, let's go ahead and take a look in. the, And we'll do an unsolicited plug. Because if you're in the Chicago area, and I apologize for the other operators, but I would say one of your choices for a dive charter in the Chicago land area is going to be dive right in. So, so let's see what their pricing is. And I know that they, what they've done is they do theirs as banding, uh, depending on how far the wreck is. Cause you've got to get the boat out there. And I think they've got a couple boats. They might have, they might be up to three by now. I shut all their pop-ups. Um, well, a Rockaway and Verano wreck costs you 125. Iron sides, two dives, 125. The Ann Arbor and the North Star, which are tech dives, 160. Um, I'm 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 trying to be nice, uh, but that that is uh, probably the dive charter out of South Haven. Is the I, for those I'm, prices? Is, I'm looking at Sasses. Oh, Sasses. Yeah, subaquatic. But are they using our our buddy are. from South Haven for that? Uh-huh. I'm guessing. And then you've got markup, so you've got the original charter and then they're booking it through them so and then you've got they're trying to recover so that's that's to me seems a little pricey but we're spoiled let's see the dive right in they have two boats a double action and diver's dream and they're they're doing uh ninety dollars 110 and 130 and it depends on which wrecks you're going to as to the price so it has crept up a little bit the last few years is that have added another 15 or so dollars well two tank dives saturday sunday up at mackinac counting bed uh let's see here plus accommodations mm-hmm. and a breakfast sales tip and all that is basically 470 that's not really bad when you start figuring out the price of the boat versus the the food and the lodging. Yeah, so out, out of Hammond, Indiana, uh, $130. Uh, it's for four hours and 30 minutes. Uh, the wrecks in the category include Strait of Mackinac, Wells, Burt, Buccaneer, Ro- Rotarian, Wings of Wind, and Flora Hill. None of those which I've dove on. That's 130 Okay, then 90 bucks for uh, snorkeling seems really high. That's what I was thinking, but again, it could be the location. 
110 out of Hammond gets you to the Louisville Eric's Rec Material Service Barge Tacoma Illinois Holly Barge David Dow's and Car Ferry Number Two. Well, what did we what did we pay for our uh, shark hunt, sharky thing down there in uh, Oh Charleston? Mm. Well, we had room and board in there, so That's not true. including room and board. I think that probably was for two days of diving, and that was. I don't even know how you count that, because that was hours and hours of diving. Because uh, we did that, we did the Hardy Divers version. Yes, we did. Um, kind of hate to say a price, just because you probably can't get it. But that was a, we, I think it was 150. Yeah, because we used nitrox too. Yes. Yeah, we brought nitrox and then they refilled with nitrox. Yeah. Uh, which was nice. I that was that was a that was a nice dive. That's a good yep. break. Uh, that was October time frame. We did that through uh, Rich Sinewick's, uh Divers Incorporated. I think they got three locations now on the other side of the state of Michigan. Um, and you can also listen to his podcast, Diver Sync. Tell Rich we said hi. But that that was a nice charter. That it, was a lot of fun. And, and that's one that he's got dialed in. He does that one, uh, I think he's doing it two times a year. He does a spring, Easter-ish time of year, and then he has the ones in October. Uh, he's tried to expand it to multiple weekends, but it seems like he can fill one weekend pretty easily. But when you go to that second weekend, it's to be a little bit harder to fill up. So I guess these prices aren't bad. Um, you know, it, it's it probably works out cheaper. It, you're probably better off paying this and diving every weekend than it is to buy a boat. As much as I thoroughly enjoy diving uh, off our uh, mud club members boats uh, they would probably be much better off financially you can't control when you go and but it's just it's such a luxury we have you know joining a dive club and having a uh, member unless you belong to some of those clubs there in england and you know oh yeah we're in england i like how they do it where the dive club actually owns the boat yeah uh, i'm picturing the dues are going to be a little bit more than ours that's if true. we're going to have that uh, Microsoft is just having a trashy day today. So the next article, we'll skip, we'll come back to it. It was talking about a Kentucky uh, cave where the rain started coming down and it started to flood and the, they were able to rescue people out. Uh, everybody ended up being okay, but at one point, the students, I think they were college age, uh, were neck deep in water as they, they made their way out. What happens, the rains flooded the cave. Been there before and it ain't fun. <laughs> yeah. Because you you don't know if that water can come out as quick as it's going in, especially when you lose your lights. I had a real stupid encounter like that when I was younger. If you live, you'll learn. Hopefully. Well, this one sounded like it was because uh, they rushed in, and, I, and unfortunately, I'm going off memory. They rushed in fifteen. That was more than that. It was more than fifteen search and rescue. I, I'm, my mind's thinking forty five. I know it was at least 15. Of some of the trapped or four uh, police officers who were in trying to save the people, bringing them out. Uh, but they were the only lights they had were the lights that were on uh, the top of their, uh, their skull caps. And we have a U.S. A- agency seems to have misplaced their $450,000 dive camera. Research on a vessel chartered by the federal government may have lost the underwater camera. 
Delaying surveys important to the scallop industry, a spokesman for the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, also known as NOAA, says the vessel was conducting a scallop survey about 75 miles southeast of Delaware Bay when it lost the equipment. The Delaware Bay forms parts of the border between New Jersey and Delaware. Reports that she says the cable towing the camera likely got snagged on a shipwreck in the area. The survey affects catch limits for scallops, which are brought in more than $400 million in 2014, catch limits help determine availability and price for the mollusks. Noah says they'll be able to complete most of the survey. Oops. Was, was they, did they not know there was a shipwreck there? I mean, that's what I was thinking. She said the cable towing the camera likely got snagged on a shipwreck in the area. Wouldn't you know that before you put the camera down? Well, and then. Or, and wouldn't you see it with the camera? So it's an underwater camera. So is this not on an ROV? Is this just a tow behind? I don't know. Because I wonder if this is one of those where they're doing the sleds. So they've got a sled and they've got it set to go at a certain depth and they're just doing like a count. So they do a pass and based on how much they see. But scallops are on the bottom, aren't they? Gotcha. So you're going to have to get that fairly close to the bottom. So I guess if you had a shipwreck jutting up to the bottom, it could catch it. But would the camera catch the shipwreck? Are they not recording it? Did somebody have a bio break and came back and the camera's gone? I don't know. Whoops. I, I would like to have a little bit more information, especially I know to the federal government $450,000 is a drop in the bucket, but uh, maybe a little accountability here? I'm sorry. Did you say government accountability in the yeah, same way? I, I did. I, I should have taken a breath and stabbed myself in the eye between those two lines. Uh, I think we're sounding critical of our government. <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with the fact that every time I open a web page, I've got a political ad playing. Uh, in the web websites, you're you're about to get banned. I'm I'm going to shut off the internet. This internet thing is just a fad. Uh, Shelby <laughs> County reporter is talking about a local dive venue that's reopening under new management. Uh, Mark uh, DiGiorgio has been teaching scuba diving for more than 30 years, so recently when he had opportunity to purchase a 27-acre former dive Alabama site in uh, Plenham, Mark jumped at the chance. The property had changed hands four or five times. When it came up for sale the past year after being closed, I decided it was my time. As the owner of Scuba Ventures and Vestavia, this seemed like the perfect fit, and I had always been teaching there previously. Currently, there are no plans to make the uh, Plenham location to a full-blown dive shop, but there will be a small selection of items available to facility. Scuba Ventures remain open and continue to provide everything needed for the avid diver or beginner. To celebrate the grand opening of Blue Water Park, uh, DiGiorgio threw a small party featuring a local band, Deputy Five. Folks came from all over to help kick things off. For the last 15 to 20 years, the facility has been scuba only with training and certification classes being offered. However, some of the crowd remembered spending Time on the water in the 80s as they partied with friends and neighbors. Uh, Ken Thornton has fond memories of living in Green Acre subdivision in the 80s and getting together friends to head over to then call Blue Water Adventures to hear the favorite band Telluride. I'm, I'm, I'd say something to make me sound old. Uh, a small fee and bring your own cooler and guests were set for a day of swimming, floating, and drinking with friends. Thornton said he was happy to see the new owner return the facility to its roots by naming it Blue Water Park. For now, it will remain a dive training certification practice facility. DiGiorgio said that he and his staff are working 
through this first summer before determining future additions or changes that made the offering. He said he does believe that adding paddle boarding would fit in well with the plans as he has for the business, which paddle boarding seems to be a popular activity for dive shops trying to expand there. I just, uh, while you were talking there, I just took the opportunity to look at the place. I'm sending that to you. And now I'll go back to the pictures. Looks pretty nice. It's obviously a quarry. And I'm looking at the different pictures for it. And it's a place I could go. Yeah, I always like quarries for doing some sort of... Well, I always like to look at the pictures of the cars and the trucks they've got down there, the fish habitat. So what it looks like a pretty decent place. I'm trying to find me. I just uh, put Dive Alabama and went right to it for pictures. Took oh, there right. it is. Oh, so you're doing a Yahoo search. So this could be some older ones, maybe not this current year. But Dive Alabama. That's a nice, I, I like the shape of it. Kind of a little reminiscent of a Gilboa type of yep. size. 26-acre water-filled limestone quarry. Swim decks. At four and a half, ten feet, fifteen, twenty, and thirty, sailboat with full sails, flipper the dolphin, steel boxes to swim through, concrete tubes to swim through. Now, when they say flipper the dolphin, that's a fake dolphin, right? I would think so. I'm hoping. Depth from four feet to 140. Visibility usually more than 25 feet. Surface temperature 86. (laughs) 86. Whoa. Bottom temperature, 52 to 54. Hey, that's still wet too weather for us. Yeah, that's toasty. Not bad. And then we have scuba divers sink an antique truck into Gray Quarry. This one's out of Gray, Tennessee. A fire truck sank in the Gray Quarry on Saturday morning, but it was intentional. According to WJHL in Johnson City, a group of certified divers lowered the antique truck into about 60 feet into the quarry. The owners of the quarry allowed scuba divers to train and explore the water for the purpose of adding excitement to recreational divers. Certified scuba diver Carton Warden uh, told the radio station the fire truck is not the only vehicle to have been lowered in the water. We've already put a school bus down. We have several statues and a few other things for divers to enjoy and make it interesting for students. You know, I I did a presentation today for Rotary Club Mm -hmm. and, uh, Part of the presentation was showing why when you go and dive the Ironsides and Ann Arbor 5, that the communities that you leave from are making money, and it's to their benefit to encourage divers to come visit those wrecks. It's a draw. Yeah. It's so, money so- to you for car gas, boat gas, launch fees, and everybody eats before and after. Right. You ate when you came in. You stopped at the convenience store to get whatever snacks for the boat ride out. Yep. The boat needs fuel. The car that got you there needs fuel. If they're coming from out of state, they need a hotel. And if you're doing an early dive, you're going to stay overnight. Right. And you go to the quarries because, one, there's objects to see. It's not a flat bottom of rocks, some fish. Yes. So they ought to start letting us sink some little wrecks out there, some boats out there, mm-hmm. and it's going to be profitable for the local economies. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to do something along those lines. 
Let's see. We have the MOD grant permission for HMS Hampshire survey. This one's out of the UK. And a run-up to next weekend's events commemorating the 100th anniversary of sinking of the HMS Hampshire. The Ministry of Defense has granted a team of specialists, international divers, a license to undertake photography and 3D imaging survey of the wreck. The Hampshire-carrying Lord Kitchener left Scapa Flow on June 5, 1916, for a voyage to Archangel in northern Russia. She struck a mine off Marwich Head and sank. Today, the HMS Hampshire lies a depth approximately 70 meters off Marwick Head, an exposed area open to North Atlantic storms and strong tidal flows. Location makes diving HMS Hampshire a challenging undertaking. So that that is definitely in the technical range. Diveable, but deep. Yeah. The HMS Hampshire's protected wreck under the Protection of the Military Remains Act of 1986, and no diving is permitted on the site except under license of MOD. Diving will be conducted by uh, from the Stormness based my Huskian, and according to expedition leader Rod McDonald, the objectives undertake detailed survey of the wreck to record it using stills and video photography using the latest underwater photo grammetry. That's where they they use photography to, to help them get measurements techniques, and that's probably also going to re- go into that three D imaging that they're talking. So to even dive this, you have to have a permit. Yeah. All I know is uh, back in the days when I was doing commercial work, I went to uh, ADC conference down in Louisiana, New Orleans, and um, I just sent it to you. Mm-hmm. There's a big article on scapa flow salvage. Let me tell you, you know, you talk about truck lagoon, yep. scapa flow or something else. Just look at some of the pictures that I sent. I'd like to dive in. Yeah, and I love that that website. This is one of the best rec websites that's out there. And you can look at it if you want to follow along at scapaflowrecs.com. And they've done a really nice job of organizing it. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I mean, the maps, uh, the coordinates, uh, all sorts of stuff. It's very, very, very nice. And scapaflow, if if I'm not mistaken, those... Those are diveable depths, but they're not always the easiest to get to or to navigate. Oh, this map's interesting. This is a different map than I remember seeing before. I'd like to see what that Hampshire looks like and how it sat on the bottom. Let's see, do they... I mean, it's only 210 feet, so I wonder how far off the bottom is she. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you bounced it, what would you hit? The chance of the, the mast and stuff being there with the crow's nest. Oh, yeah. you're talking a hundred and something feet up. I I would be I'd be surprised. Is there a crow's nest still on that boat? Yeah. Uh, do you see the picture of it? No. There's a four. What sure. are you talking about? The Hampshire survey, the one you were just reading. Yeah, I, I've seen the the photo of it above water. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, okay. They have two crow's nests are half and full. Okay. But you wouldn't think those would still make it after 100 years, would they? I'm trying to remember what wreck we were talking about last week, that you can deco on the mast at 100 feet off the boat because it's still there. Was that a Great Lakes one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Great Lakes, I, I mean, even though we've, we've got some rough water, uh, that makes sense. But, it, you know, this is a steel vessel, so I guess it would be possible to have the those nest. Just it, You would have to see. And I'm hoping that uh, after they get done with this, there'll be some photos that we can. 
That was interesting. And then the next article is from 3dprint.com. Wessex Archaeology 3D Scans Print Two Shipwrecks from Underwater Archaeological Site. Well, this sounds like it's the the follow-up to the previous one. Mm-hmm. Did they, is this from this year's survey or is this a, one from before? Well, it says May 24th, 2016, so it's got to be current. It says, uh, well, they have a 3D model of two cannons of the site of the shipwreck in Sutherland. I like how they did that. Kind of a little diorama. Yeah. That they printed. Yeah. So they're taking scan data and they use it to the feed in the bottom. I wonder how ground penetrating radar would work on our wreck. We were talking about that this last week. Uh, I was talking with uh, Kevin and he's got another wreck where that came up and he said very expensive. Yeah, because the frequencies. Matter of fact, I was talking with somebody on that. He, he he had looked at it. He's got another wreck where he thinks it's in a location that the only way he's going to be able to verify to do ground penetrating. And unless you had five-figure funds, the guy really didn't even want to talk to you. Yeah. The, the, the ideal way to do it, and I'm sure they get this from everybody. Everybody's like, well, donate your time to me and make it on the next one. But I'm sure when you've invested whatever he's got in that equipment, you have to try and recoup it somehow but oh yeah it's it's pretty pricey but that's that's nice seeing the the 3d printing and then we've got uh and i don't know that we can see even surprised about this but a construction site in boston has found a shipwreck and if it wasn't dated in the last week i would say this was one we've already covered before Trying to look at it, but mine says service is unavailable. I'm getting the same thing right now. So I just went to a different... Uh, oh, that's my, it's another Microsoft link. Oh, Microsoft. Microsoft is, is having serious problems tonight. This is where you hope that who's ever responsible is, is feeling a little bit... So what it was is... Uh, uh, let's, let's find it, it someplace it, it did come up. I found it. Oh, it says, it? the Seaport District is no stranger to boats. Or the construction site to meet the current development boom, but last week the two collided. A Boston archaeologist said this week that a 19th century shipwreck was discovered at the site of an ongoing construction project in the waterfront neighborhood, and crews have halted work so experts can excavate the ship's remains. Uh, he said he is posting photographs of the ship to the city archaeology department's Facebook and Twitter accounts. I don't know where those are, otherwise we can take a look. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and you're talking freaking rubble wreck. I'm looking at some pictures. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, historical finds is a marked contrast from the plan. 17-story, 400,000-square-foot office building at the address. Yeah. Well, this is Boston, which Boston is built largely on fill as they filled in the bay and the marshes. And how they did that is any wreck that, or wreck, any ship that wasn't capable of floating or had a big use just got, uh, parked, scuttled, and backfilled. Absolutely. And that's what they still do. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. It looks like the Havana. Mm-hmm. They dumped dirt on and sucked the water away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the build site is that, I can't tell if those be, the beams, cause they got these support beams. 
Yeah. If those are from the building they just took down, or is that from what they're getting ready to put in? I would, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's hard to but tell. Yeah, I still want to see return on the investment for the time they're taking to try to figure out what that is, you know, versus is it really of any value? Yeah. If I'm an archaeologist and I think I might be able to get a grant out of it, it's worth it. Yeah, if I can get me get that I in there, yeah. And grant is not free money; <laughs> it comes from my pocket as your well as yours. <laughs> so yeah, grants are not free money, people. Sure, they are. That's how we do all our sidewalks here in town is all state grant money. Yeah, because the, the idea of a grant is mentally when somebody says a grant, I think that there's this big this big fund. Of, well, we just had some extra money, so we're going to put it off here on the side. And the reality is, is that they don't have that money at all. You're, that's just future taxes. Just another tax. Just print some more. We can, we yeah, can do it's, it's, it's good. Shipwrecks from the, that. Or may, maybe this one will come up. Oh, this one here came up and it's a little different. Shows that same beam. Everybody's st- uh, standing there looking at the rotten wood. Yeah. <laughs> Here, guys, pose, pose. Come on, stand in the mud. Look at it. Yeah, this is a little bit different shot. Yeah. That that oh. that is definitely a staged image. Cause, go go to the third picture. Oh, third picture. You see the shape of the boat now. They dug around it. Yeah. Well, even in the first one, you look at that. They dug around it. Yeah, Those well, guys in the picture did nothing to get yeah. that. And that pole, that one piling must have been left over because it's right there in the stern section. Well, and it looked pretty mangled, all these posts. Yeah. So I don't know if they... Well, like they said here, they theorized the crew unloaded most of the valuables, set part of the ship on fire to reduce its weight, and sank it in the mud. Why would so I know I really want to spend my money doing an archaeological survey of a piece of junk that deliberately sunk. Well, why would they set it on fire? Just we to get it. You got all that extra wood. Hey, burn it up. But but if you're, if you're trying to build a break wall, you want as much volume as as you got as you can have. A break wall, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I guess it depends on what the motivation is. Right. Well, whenever they uh, start building houses back where we used to dive mm-hmm. up there in uh, Huron. In Duncan Bay area, you know, where the, the um, logging camps were. Mm-hmm. And like I said, 50 years ago, they had three boats, rather large, floating. They burned them to the water line. They sunk. And now it's underground. So one day somebody's going to be building a house and they're going to say, where the hell did that boat come from? Yeah. Because <laughs> Lake Huron's gone down and that is now dry land. And then how about this for a submarine found off the uh, Sardinian coast? That's awesome, isn't it? It is amazing. The only, the only comment I had was where he said the uh, the bodies were inside. How would he know unless he went inside? Well, that's what... That... He meant because it's contained, the hatches are closed, they're still in there. Well, you could close them until you got out. Uh, in a discovery that lay that helped to lay decades of speculation, the rest an Italian scuba diver found the vessel 90 meters below the surface of the sea, not far from the Sardinian coast. In doing so, 50-year-old uh, 
Massimo Domenico uh, Bandone, an experienced diver from the city of, of Genoa, has unearthed the Holy Grail in his salvaging community next to the island of Tavalara. HMS P311 went missing in January 1943, along with 71 crew members. The discoveries confirmed that every one of them perished after Mr. Bondone found them still inside the submarine on the Gallura seabed, which acts as a huge steel coffin depriving them of oxygen. Now you think of the fate of those who fell to death down there, a fate shared by many people of different nationalities, submarines in particular. Submarine is thought to have sunk after colliding after a fisherman reported a loud roar at the time of the disappearance over the din of a stormy night, but until now nobody had been able to find it. He, be, uh, the Mr. Bondone began diving at age 18 and since discovered a wide variety of shipwrecks, many of which relate to the Second World War, including UJ-2208 German anti-submarine vessel off the coast of Genoa, and for him, diving is a mission. I'm a strong believer the wrecks are still alive and are linked to, from the past to the present. If we don't find them, identify them, document their story, we lose the history of the ships and the men who built them and sailed them. We don't have much time, maybe a few decades, and then time and the elements of nature will prevail. I believe the history is not only made by masters and admirals, but the last sailor must be remembered. I want a photo. They just have the one on, is that on the surface? Yeah, yeah. Rather large deck cannon, isn't it? Yeah, good size one. Well, it's, so it sounds like he's identified it. Like you said, I don't know how he knows they're still in there or if he's just assuming with the, the hatch is closed that there's nothing else that could happen. And then in Lake Michigan, this one's a little closer to home. A classic car cache rests in frigid silence. <laughs> this one's from the M Live site. The world's largest collection of 1929-1930 Nash Motor automobiles is not an exeum, but under the frigid depths of Lake Michigan. 268 of them are lashed in rows inside and crumpled in the heat next to the rest, wreck of the SS Senator, a Great Lakes steamship that rests for eternity in uncharted sinkhole about 15 miles east of Port Washington, Wisconsin. The Senator, which sank during the final days of the Roaring Twenties as a country was plunging the Great Depression, sits upright nearly 450 feet down so deep that few if any divers have ever seen it in person sent you a link mm-hmm. for what the cars look like there's an article on that yeah, yeah I've had uh, discussions with people who have been talking about this for quite a while I had heard some people had gone in and got a mirror or two to prove that they were there. And, and Well, I've seen photos from this wreck. It's been out there. Um, I don't know when they officially announced it, but it's it's been being dove for a few years. Well, the wreck was discovered and identified in the summer of 2005. Uh, the ship was identified by historical maritime records compared with the approximate position of what was found by the side scan sonar. The find was reported by Rob Polish and Paul Erhorn of Kenosha, Wisconsin, while on a different map or a wreck mapping and research project. It has been suggested in correspondence from 2008, the condition of the car is underwater. Best case would be near perfect because it went down fast, stayed together, landed upright, 
and it appears that the cargo, at least a portion of it, may be totally undamaged. They said cars of this era have been salvaged in good condition, only to have them disintegrate very rapidly on contact with air. Now, I think they were talking saltwater shipwrecks. Yeah, and that also depends on what the elements are. Because if you don't have some sort of conservation plan as you bring it up, because cars of this era had plenty of wood parts, leather parts, uh, that would deteriorate fairly rapidly when they start to dry out. Yeah, it said the constant temperature where the senator is would be 39 degrees Fahrenheit with no light and very little oxygen, thus no organisms or oxidation. It said uh, seven individuals still remain on board, too, to the article I'm looking at. Yeah, the, the, at the end of the article, they talk about, as for Nash Motors, the company went on to make the popular Nash Healy sports car and Rambler Compact, Nash merged with Calvinator Corp. in 1937 before restructuring into the American Motors Corp. in 1954. W. Romney, who later governor of Michigan as chairman, Chrysler acquired the company in 1987, rebranded the models as Jeep Eagle. Oh, I found something out here from the people who found her. Mm-hmm. said the senator did have 41, 241 Hudson's when she sank. Uh, and he said, we were actually looking for her specifically when Paul and I found her, a bug from a research project of mine that I planted in Paul's very skilled sonar ear some years before. In all, we found the wreck after only two seasons of searching. She came up strong in our sonar, lies very deep, uh, very deep water off Port Washington, Wisconsin, and was really a puzzle to locate. While I am personally a very accomplished deep mixed gas diver, I have never dove her, and it said, nor has anyone else since neither of us have released the exact site location numbers. Hmm. They're talking about you can use a rebreather, better yet would be an ROV. Well, an ROV makes sense, but sometimes there's no substitute for getting down there with an actual dive. Right. And this one was written by the gentleman in 2013, July 19. And I want to say that since then somebody has dove it. Now, let me keep looking here. I thought there might be a continuation to it. Yeah, because when you look at the area, there's some tech divers, rebreather divers who are in that area, and I think they may have been involved with some documentation. Yeah, my Facebook feed, I'm, I'm friends with some of the archaeologists over there. They were excited about the pun, researching this for a while. And I think, was was it in the Mud Club group where some of them were asking questions? Because a lot of this is, this is really where sharing information can be to your benefit. Because as a diver, and you see that car, it's really going to be a car buff who's going to be able to tell you more about it. And it, that was some of the conversations that I had seen and observed. Well, with, you know Tamara Thomason? Yes. Yeah, she's uh, uh archaeologist, uh, museum person over there. Right. Well, her comment was... Those cars on the inside are in pretty good condition. Well, how would you know that unless you saw it? Right. And she said she surveyed the Senator wreck in November. And this is, let's see what year this is. Oh, this is this year. Yeah, it's it's a fresh article. Oh. Um, but that's why Tam- Tamara is talking about it. I think that they got, it's a little bit of some publicity, good publicity for them. Yeah. And she was the one who I think was was asking. They, she had posted some 
photos of the car. They're trying to make the connection, try and figure out a few more details on them. Nice thing about those early cars is uh, there's usually pretty good records from the manufacturer on what they thought they had and where they went. Yeah, some interesting comments on this article part here about how come they don't go do this, that, and the other. And like the one guy says, great bill, uh, there's a great deal of difference between numerous multi-million dollar man submersible expeditions to a wreck in the Atlantic, which we're talking about, Titanic, mm-hmm. and a single non-profit-led survey expedition using volunteer divers and ROV operators in Lake Michigan. You mean and there's a little difference in... <laughs> money and priority. Yeah, I sent uh, Tamara Thompson a note asking if she has some photos of the cars, not just a sonar image in the galley. And I'm trying to find any reference to that. Meaning like, where's the pictures? But excellent. Uh, love to see that sort of stuff. N- another uh, one of those, gee, if you're only a, a tech diver. Yeah, what well, they were saying here... Uh, Sounds like visibility is pretty poor. In the meantime, the, this multi-beam sonar image shows some of the cars that are circled in red. Oh, let's see if I can get this. Hang on. Oh, actually, I, I'm sending this to you. It's a link for the sonar shots of the cars. Okay. That's interesting. Since I figure out how to find you again. It's too bad we can't, or do we link people listening to us? Where this stuff is, I um, <laughs> in a way, I got to do show notes again. I just been so busy. Okay, did you find? Did you see what I sent you? And actually, if you're one of those people who are interested, I have all the show notes. I just have them formatted, put out. So if you're looking for things to do, we'll train you. We'll show you how to do it if you want to volunteer. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Did you send something? Yeah, the sonar oh. pictures. I got, oh, the Senator shipwreck? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Okay. The number of automobiles and different articles change. Yeah, and how many are of what types? Yeah, this picture. Ooh, that's an, I like that sonar image. Yeah, the one I'm looking here is not a sonar image. It's 11-29-2015 at 414.71 foot depth, and the temperature is almost 50 degrees. I see that one. Do you see that one? Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one... Uh, Which means it is not constant 39 degrees. That was quoted earlier. Oh, yeah. No, if, if they're getting 49.7, yeah, you're, you're correct there. Kind of uh, change that story. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you have to go through that whole series at the bottom. And they went ahead and, and here's targets by the sonar image. And they'll label them in red so you can see what you're looking at. Or they interpolate it for you. Or you know, at least explain it to you. Wow. Need a, I need a can bigger zoom. Cost? I wonder what that does cost. We can what? put that on our wish list. An ROV? Or the scanner? That sonar and all of it. Well, that sonar is amazing resolution. I love it. Somebody called in a favor to get that one in. So that's that, that the the image is called Blue View. So I'm betting that Blue View must be the name of Sonar. So let's see Sonar. Let's see what comes up. 
Teledyne Blue View. Multi-beam imaging sonar, multi-beam profilers, 3D mechanical scanning sonar. Oh, wow. Here, I'm going to send you this link, Mac. Be prepared to drool. So, let's see. We need Paul Allen, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Oh, man, Mac. (laughs) Oh, this is evil, this marketing. Because they're showing it animated. That's pretty cool. Did you see the link? Yeah, I got clicked on that. I'm looking at stuff now. Oh, wow. That video like they got those. planned. Does it say what that cost? <laughs> if you have to ask. Well, that's, that's a foregone conclusion. I'm, I'm betting that this is well over 100000 I'm betting close to three-quarters of a million. Did you look at that, that one of the a divers on the bottom looking at an anchor? There's a photo, and then there's a scan image of the same target. And the heat image is quite interesting to look at. That is something else. Yeah, that's a, they got a PDF of the of it. Oh, yeah, that is that is interesting. If anybody out there has this kind of product and you want some uh, testing done yep. or opinions made on it using nice water like Lake Michigan, we'll be more than happy to... Uh, do some testing for you. Product yeah. evaluation. Yeah, so they have the M900, the M900-2250 dual frequency, the M4450, the M900X, and the OEM. So the OEM must be if you just want to build it right into the boat. All you guys who are listening to this on the radio, especially if you're driving, it's like, <laughs> I can't see, I can't see. Sorry about that. Oh. Now, if we did video broadcasting, then they could see this because we'd put it on a big screen for them. Yeah, we could. We could do that, man. It's, it's an idea. Enhance. Wow. Didn't hear any comments from the you peanut gallery out there. Yeah, they're probably afraid if they say anything, we'll want them to buy us one. I just want feedback from the people out there so we'll know they're really alive. I have to assume they are. They're downloading. Well, under cool new gear, you got some good not you got some good stuff too. Yeah. So let's. So I think that's the next section. So that's uh, scuba news. So cool new gear. We have DARPA's uh, awarded a contract for an underwater positioning system, and what they're they're kind of selling this one as a way of of avoiding uh, jamming potential. The U.S. Navy has. An autonomous watercraft aspirations eats a way to future unmanned and manned subs to navigate accurately. To help is DARPA, which has a section BAE, BAE system to create an underwater positioning system for deep ocean navigation, which is uh, Poseidon, P-O-S-Y-D-O-N. The program will produce a navigation system that eliminates the need to surface to update GPS data. The underwater system ultimately aims to keep U.S. Navy underwater vehicles safe by A, eliminating the need to resurface periodically for GPS, and B, sidestep any local GPS signal jamming that could be underway from enemy devices. Poseidon will provide these underwater vehicles positioning data, timing, and navigation instructions. 
The program eventually will work using acoustic signals given by underwater instruments of some sort, as shown in the image above. Which are using buoys anchored to the bottom, and then about midway up, those those between the anchor and the buoy is uh, something that generates a signal. Yeah, if you went to the secondary item, it talks about some of the programs DARPA is working with. Mm-hmm. DARPA tapped eight organizations to develop futuristic armored cars. That looks interesting. DARPA wants shape-shifting vaccines that evolve from with viruses. Gremlins are air-recoverable drones. That's some cool stuff. Yeah, DARPA is... is- got some unique things at it yeah i had a friend used to work with them back in the day and then this next one and i don't know anything about it but it just looked interesting this is olympus tg tracker and it's underwater rated but when you look at it mac that does not look like an underwater camera does it no and I wonder if it's like those dive watches, those dive watches, those watches I buy at the local big box retailer that say 50 meters and they short out in uh, you know, just getting in a pool. It says Olympus has updated its tough camera lineup with a stylus tough TG tracker, tracked action cam that specializes in tracking location, temperature, altitude, and more. It takes eight megapixel stills with a uh, one and 2.3 inch sensor provides 4k 30 frame or 1080 60p video recording options offers fixed f2 13.9 millimeter equivalent lens and the whole unit is rated to be waterproof to 30 meters or 100 feet shock proof to 7 feet or 2.1 meters free proof to negative 10 celsius or 14 degrees fahrenheit and crush proof to 100 kilograms or 220 pounds. Has a flip-out but non-rotating LCD, a built-in lamp of 30 and 60 lumen settings that can also be used in a flashlight mode. And they go on and talk about the features. But I just, it looks like a nice camera. Mm -hmm. I'm just skeptical that it's really going to be able to hold up to 100 feet. Yeah. Because I bought that one camera very early in the podcast. And the thing with it is that, well, the camera could survive to that depth. You couldn't use any of the functions at depth. If you hadn't turned it on on the surface, by the time you got to the buttons, to the bottom, the buttons were completely unusable. Yeah. Now, is that a TG4? Um, what do you mean by TG4? The, the model number? Yeah, I'm looking at the... Uh, I, I tried to look that up, and I'm getting an Olympic TG4. This is, says Olympic TG Tracker. Mm. Yeah, TG Tracker. It's a TG Tracker, though, correct? Yeah. Yeah, TG hyphen Tracker. Olympus Stylus Tough TG Tracker. It's going to be now, available in a green and black. 350 bucks. Yeah, $350. That's, and that's street price. Uh, or four hundred and ninety, or four hundred and seventy-nine in Canada, Canadian. So wait, wait till Christmas. By Christmas, it should be about two ninety-nine. Says waterproof functionality is equivalent to GIS IEC Protection Class Eight (IPX8) 
according to tests performed following our in-house methods. Well, it's cheaper than a GoPro. Yeah, not quite as deep rated. Uh, and I wouldn't think you'd put a housing around this to get it deeper. Sometimes I wondered if it would make sense to have a housing for a camera like this. Because then for, if for it fl- deep, What's that? For as much as we're diving deep, deep, we're not. No, we're but deep, I don't. This would be good, and it is cheaper than a GoPro. Yeah, I, I would say other than Ann Arbor 5 or Ironsides, all my other rack dives are going to be less than 100 feet. Yeah. And my grubbin dives, if I hit 30 feet, that's deep for a grubber. Mm-hmm. Still interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think this is, uh, there's one shot there where they shows it with a handle. That'd be a nice handle. So something, something to keep an eye out for. Maybe we'll have to do a review. I'll have to uh, pitch all these companies and you send me reviews. Or if somebody else out there already has one. Well, what I'd love to do would be get these, get eight of these cameras and then put them on a frame so they're all taking photos of the same object. And then you could do a side by side. And it'd be interesting to see. And then you do it just regular normal. Then you could do them with uh, lighting. Uh, and just see how it goes. But uh, we're starting to see this category expand. And that does it for Scuba News. Once again, we'd like to thank WRVO Radio for for having us on the air for another year. Reno Viola Outdoor Radio. Uh, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And I bet they're running even over this U.S. holiday weekend. So it might be a time to, to give them a... A look, see, and see how they go. You can download their app or uh, stream them through a variety of services. Well, let's talk about last week's dives. Uh, so do, did we get any dives in this last week, Mac? I think we did. We dove what? That was Sunday. Well, we dove Thursday. Well, you did You did a Thursday, Thursday dive last, last Thursday right before the show. Then we scanned again. You did a scan. What day was the scanning? Friday night. Friday. How'd that go? Was it rough or? Yeah, we we tried uh, using the the oh. fish. Yeah, and uh, it was still too much of a swell and chop. Frequency is what was the frequency of the swells were sort of kicking our butt. Hmm. But uh, that's why you go out. You try to try different elements and different ways and. At least now we know what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be back at again tomorrow night. Oh, cool. So you'll do it again tomorrow night. All right. And then, like you said, on Sunday we had a good dive. Yep. Sunday we left out of the Benton Harbor DNR boat ramp, um, went down the river, and we headed north to one of our traditionally early dive sites of the year. Kevin had been out about six weeks before, and we went out. It was the Havana Havana A, Havana B, and whatever may be there. So we took, we were on uh, Bob's boat, Bob Sweeney's boat. It's a Zodiac, probably about 18 foot, I would say. Yeah, it'll fit four divers and their gear if you stage your exits. Yeah, and, and how, how you do that. Because uh, I have I have different ways I kit up depending on the boat. If I'm on a bigger boat, you know, I might bring a tub and the cooler and snacks. If you're on Bob's boat. You pre-set up your gear, 
you know, you have your tank and your BC all together, and uh, you stand it up in the boat and strap it to the sides. You have everything in mesh bags, and you just go out. So I've been in that boat with four divers where it just feels way overcrowded, and this was actually comfortable uh, with four divers. We had plenty of room. Well, we had good weather. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fairly smooth. I'd say six inches or less, uh, both going going out and coming back. Uh, lot, not a lot of people out. Uh, a lot of people fishing in the river, but not a lot of them out on the big lake. Wasn't a ton of boats. We we passed the and I need to get some new shots now that they've finished the the work. But the Saint Joseph Lighthouse that you have seen for years and years on the website. And photos, a very photogenic lighthouse. They've the city of St. Joe, I believe now, is responsible for it. And they got a grant, and they did some restoration work. And the qualified for restoration work, they had to take it back to a particular point in time, and that involved putting a smokestack that nobody had seen on the lighthouse in about eighty years. So it's it's nice looking. I like the I like the look of it. All I remember it being is is boarded up and. You know, on automatic mode. So it really, other than being an impressive looking structure, you, you didn't get a lot of character to it. A lot of people don't like it because the stack interferes with taking a good picture of the lens. And from the boater perspective, it doesn't matter because 320 degrees is the front part behind it where the smokestack is. The boats are never going to see it. No. Well, if you look at the Lighthouse in Michigan City mm-hmm. looks the same. There's their top of their chimney or their you know smokestack. They cut it off flush with the bottom of the light structure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was intentional or because they didn't want to ruin the uh, picturesqueness of the lighthouse tower itself. But it's it's a beautiful looking structure, and they. I was kind of concerned that they're going to make it to Disneyland. I was expecting, you know, to make it safe and accessible for people. They're going to change the character of it. And I haven't seen it yet. I need to see what it takes to go and tour it now that they're. I don't believe it's handicap accessible, and I don't think it's intended to be. No, and and, and nor should it be. I mean, no, no, no offense to people who can't get in, but it was never meant to be that. It's there's certain structures that. Don't make handicap accessible. Now, maybe you do a weekend where you have extra hands there, and if somebody's physically able to be lifted into it, you allow for that. But I don't think you need to have ramps and wheelchair access for uh, what was an industrial structure. And I think it was updated to 1936. So if you update it because you got to to get the grant, then I don't know how you could possibly upgrade it even more with the handicap access aspect. No, you, you you wouldn't have qualified for that. And they are going to do tours, and there will be a charge. Yeah. But another thing to do if you're in the area doing scuba diving. So we went out to Havana. Bob had a brand new toy. He had a Lorance side scan sonar. And I have to say that was really nice, the images it took. And it makes me wonder, is it just the the coloring of the images that makes it look so good. It kind of stitched it together and it just felt like you were looking at something and it seemed easier to decipher what it is you were looking at. 
Well, electronics change every couple of months. Yes. Yeah. But so this is this this is probably only fifteen year old technology that we're getting now. <laughs> All the big guys, they got the good stuff, but yeah, the down imaging is pretty nice. Yeah. So it had yeah down imaging in, in both right and left, and it's, it tries to stitch it together. Uh, and the big notice was when you turned, it overlaid the image on what you had already taken. So instead of blowing it away. And a lot of times in your turn, you get all that wake and turbulence and cavitation and you blow away the image. It kind of stitch it and, and eliminate the noise. So anything it just didn't know what it was, it said fine. But it already had it because to do the turn, you'd already come across that path. Yeah. So it'll be, you know, and Bob's a technical person. He's a, a computer guy. So I'm betting he might do some playing around with this. I bet if you hook that up to a laptop, there's some additional uh, bits of data you're going to be able to get out of that device. This is a vanilla <laughs> I was switching around. I was just reading about a drug-resistant superbug oh. that's shown up in the United States for the first time Thursday. Ah. They, 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 they made it through customs and they let it in? Well, they've seen the stuff uh, in Europe and China. Hmm. It's never been here. Well, it is now. Yeah. Everything's going to be everywhere. You can't. You're just not going to stop it. These super bugs are going to come, um, and we're going to have to figure out ways of of doing it. So wash your hands, people. Basic. It'd be amazing that you can cut your likelihood of getting these super bugs uh, down greatly, but just by following basic health procedures. And if you take antibiotics, take your full course. And I'm sure to do. But yeah, why would you not do that? Aaron? Well, I feel better. Take the damn pill. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've, we've created a part of it's our own problem over prescribing and then not doing a full course. So you just train the, the bug to be, to how to survive. Uh, so we're on the Havana. And so it was you and me, Kevin and Bob. Yeah. Bob had a new full face mask for his rebreather. That was, that looked pretty complicated to me. Uh, multi piece. So you have a piece that, Three breather hose fits into, and then you have the the actual mask, and and they kind of connect together. Uh, but he was diving that. Uh, Kevin had his stuff, and as I was getting into the water, you had noticed that I was having a little bit of a air leaking sound. Yeah, and this is one that I've been this is a problem I've been chasing for a while, but because it's behind my head, I can't see it. And everybody I've dove with, they couldn't see it either. Well, this time it was a little bit more obvious. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm going down with it, and I had Kevin worried. Kevin was like he wouldn't leave my side. Uh, that whole high, it was my high pressure hose. That whole high pressure hose all the way from the regulator all the way to the gauge was leaking air the whole length of it. And this is, uh, that was, that hose is brand new with my regulator. And the rest of the hoses on my regulator are fine and in good condition. But whatever the rubber is in a high-pressure hose, it has given up the ghost and it has entirely failed. Uh, and we learned, we've learned that the, your high-pressure hose, because of the uh, restrictor in it, you're not losing a lot of air. And I was diving on 100 with a little bit over 3,000 pounds in the tank by the time I hit the water. Uh, so I decided, heck, if nothing else, I'll bounce the wreck. Which is about what's the Havana? About seventy feet deep? No, Havana's fifty. Fifty? Yeah, fifty. Shallow. 
It must depend on where you put your computer. If you put in a hole, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Kurt and I so challenge. Better. When Kurt's diving, we'll do that. Uh, so uh, Kevin and I went down. Visibility was about nine feet. And what's been nice about the van is every time you you dive the van, it seems like it's a slightly different wreck than what you remember. Because we're coming down to a different point, and we yeah. did not float the buoy yet. Yeah, the the buoy's not floated, uh, so it was Bob's GPS reco- coordinates, and we weren't too far off where we normally come. I would say we were just maybe oh, 20, 30 feet west of our normal entry point with Bob's number, because it seems like everybody has their own numbers. And Bob's pretty consistent. If he hits it right where his computer says, then you get pretty close to the same spot. But, you know, I'm, I've thought that this is one wreck, but we need to really look at that center trunk and the keel. Cause there's something that's looking like a keel that can't be a keel. And that's what Kevin and I dove on this time. We just need about a hundred foot viz day. <laughs> yeah. A hundred foot viz and then a way of piecing all the photos together to stitch it. Cause it's a, uh, somebody was saying that this was a nine section rack that there's seven nine. Section. How many? Seven sections. Seven sections. So there's seven distinct sections of this rack, which would make sense that it's, a, if it's a single rack, but you've got. But they the, haven't seen it that way for 35 years. Right. So back in the sixties, it was, mm-hmm. you could find it and the sand shifts so much out there. We have seen last year and this year now more of the wreck than in 30 years. And you saw something that you haven't seen in a long time on the wreck this time. Chain, but I, I've got to determine now if that's anchor chain or working chain. It doesn't look like really an anchor chain because I, I took well, some pictures mm-hmm. and I went back and looked at it. And because it's been buried, it's in pretty good shape. Yeah. And it's flexible. So I brought it up after where I found it. Hung it on a, a beam so it can't get covered up again. And our plan, we were talking about that tonight when we were BSing diving. Hmm. But everybody takes down a, a milk jug yeah. with their number. They find the most interesting part that they like. Take the time to survey 10, 15 feet around it. Then when we come up, we look at the buoys and try to map it. Ah. Now, uh, would you say come up from the jug? Float the jug up so when we're on the surface. Oh, so it's floated all the way to the surface. So just yeah, not. Well, right. We can see relative to positioning of your, well, this is what I saw. And it's like, oh, wow, you were way over there or you weren't there. Well, I was thinking that you'd float one maybe five feet above the bottom just to kind of have a, a relation between the jugs. But you're thinking float it all the way to the surface. Yeah. If everybody went out and picked what they thought was great and, and really surveyed that area. Mm-hmm. And you came back up and you take the drawings that we have and then start drawing in the other parts, we might get a much, much better shot because we we don't have that 60, 70-foot vis yet. What we need to do with that would be to do it in two waves. So you have one wave, which is take the jugs, put it down, and on the on the bottom, uh, just off the wreck, is put a tag with a number. Now, did you and, notice how many lines are on that wreck? Oh, there is a ton of lines. So yeah, we're not the we're not the only ones who are routinely diving this wreck. Well, there's a lot of people. That's the wreck people go to. It's shallow. It's a good wreck for. It's a well known wreck. But uh, yeah, we think about taking some orange line down, 
tapping it in and then running 500 feet, mm-hmm. get rid of the other stuff. Yeah. And, but label it saying start, you know, and then every put 10 feet, 20 feet, 30. So if somebody tags it or comes up to it and it says 40 and the next one says 50, then they know, well, okay, if I go this way. Well, we, we've got two websites where we can, well, three websites. You got the Scuba Obsessed website, the Mud Club website, and then the Southwestern Michigan Underwater Preserve site. So we could make a new map of the site, mm-hmm. label the lines, tell everybody where the lines are and what they mean. And then you'd be, we'd be able to, you know, maybe do a, uh, oh, what, like open source it or, uh, citizen scientist it to have everybody collaborate on it and, and determine what it is. Cause it just, we just need to freshen the information that we have on this wrap. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was an enjoyable dive. I, it was funny to, to listen to Kevin talk about how, how bad the viz was. And you and I, I think thought, eh, this is, this is about normal. Uh, you never get, yeah, I think about the best I've seen on the Havana might be 15 feet. I've had 20 on the Rockaway, but I've never had much more than 15 on the Havana. Part of it is the gobies and scuppins. Yeah. They, you stay off the wreck. They feel you coming by. They kick up. You know, they start getting out of your way, mm-hmm. and they mess up the bottom up. Yeah. Well, Kevin and I were trying to get ready to float one of the buoys, but it was all crushed and distorted. So, there so you a, actually got to the, the mooring for the buoy? Well, there's one. There's multiple buoys on the wreck, and there was one that was, uh, looked like a tide jug. The one I'm talking about, the one we put up a couple of years ago. No, it wasn't. that wasn't the one that we were on. If we were on that one, then yeah. it had broken off because there, there was a – the one we found, it had 20 to 30 feet of chain at the bottom, and then it went to a nylon line, fairly heavy you know, five-eighths or so, and then there was a uh, a jug on it, but the jug had, it was all burst. So okay, you, that, that's our standard. That's the one we put in years ago. You're right. Yeah, I but think you, that was the, the older one, not the one that we've been floating the last few years. See, we were on the west part of the wreck, and I think when we've been going out with Jim, he tends to do the east that's the east side of the wreck the last few times. Well, I'm just, next time we go out, I'll be interested in it. I think the week after next, we'll either do the Iron Tides or the uh, Ann Arbor 5, and the week after the one we didn't do that day, we'll do that one. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're getting a deep diving time of the year, and that's where you definitely need your your bailouts uh and to have gotten a few dives under your belt. But it was nice to get this, because this had been six months for me. Yeah. You know, I started to do the math, and, you know, turkey dive to now, that's about six months. That's why you needed to get in. Yeah, I certainly I did. I, I tried my emergency procedures and realized that my regulator was not functioning correctly. Ah, yes, good point. It's like, okie dokie. So I took that baby back in and broke out my other one, my standby. Hmm. Uh, because when we started doing the other ones, I want my... Bestest regulator to function on my bailout bottle. Yes. So you want a good bailout. Bailout's no good if you can't breathe off it. Yeah. Uh, but a, a beautiful day out there. Um, you know, we, we had about 25 minutes in the bottom, and I was really conservative with the gas. You know, a 100-cubic-foot tank. I started with just over 3,000. Uh, I signaled to Kevin to turn around that I was going up. He could stay down, but I... At about two thousand, 
and then I headed up the line, and you know, I probably got 800 still in the tank. Uh, but he came up maybe three or four minutes after me. Uh, he decided it was a little too cold. He was starting to get cold, and Viz wasn't working in his favor at that point. I'm kind of surprised. I I figured he wouldn't mind the Viz being that bad. I came up with 500. Yeah. And the anchor. And the anchor, yeah, you found it. You're you're grubbing a wreck. (laughs) Hey, that was a brand new anchor and rope and assembly and chain. It's like, that was was less than two months down there was my bet. That wasn't even that. It had five quaggas on it. I couldn't have been there hardly, and the rope was clean. Yeah. So my thing is I think that it was a dive boat. They snagged a wreck, dove down, and didn't think to pull it up when they came up. I mean, why? if you're if you're fishing, why would you uh, drop an anchor anyway there? Yeah, but if you're a diver, you're gonna, are you not going to go get your anchor? If I had air, I would go down and get it. Yeah, I mean... All you do is follow the anchor line, take a tag. Now, where, where did you find it? Was it pretty well wedged in there? Oh, it was wedged. Uh, you were not getting that. Uh, okay, so somebody had an anchor that they were, they had dropped the anchor, probably didn't put enough line out, and then it snagged. Yeah, you were not going to back up and pull that out. Yeah, yeah, because they, they, they cut the line. Somebody was crying when they cut that line. Yes, they were. Thank you very much, whoever you are. <laughs> anyway, I left my camera laying on the bottom when I was untangling the mess. Uh-huh. The line was fouled all to hell. And uh, I'm going to have to edit that one because it's really cute. I got these goby sculpins, whatever they are. And there's there's one, he sort of comes up near the camera and he looks at it. And he, he, he leapfrogs, is what he's doing, with his fins. And all of a sudden, then I got three looking at it and then... They look around, and then you see another four or five come towards looking at it. <laughs> if I could figure some way to put music or, or little voices to it. Yeah, well, we, we've, we've got the technology. Uh, uh, well, we'll come up with something. Yes. Well, I'm going to have to show that to you. And I told you I'm going to take a still of the, uh, that chain I found. And if that looks interesting, I'm going to take my detector down and see if I can track where it goes. Because that's what we used to do. We, we'd go down and put a 30-gallon jug on a chain, and then you go and dig it out to the next part and put another one on. Mm-hmm. But you got to have some people, you got to have some jugs, and you got to have some bottom time. Yeah. But that's a good wreck to do it on. Yeah. Shallow enough to have some time. Now, after this, it makes me want to get out the max wreck and see what that looks like. Yeah. And we have had 80-foot visibility on that. Yes. yeah, We've had some good vis on that. And I've also had two inches before on it, so... I've had some you can't see the rope you're holding in your hand when it's no. up against your face mask. When the day before you had good viz. Yes. But a good day nonetheless. We came back in. That was pretty uneventful. And we did a little scanning on the side of the river. Yes. Under, by the OPT boat factory. Mine layer factory back back there. Uh, amazingly clean on the bottom, but you know, that gets regularly dredged every so many years. So. Other than that part under the bridge to the right, mm-hmm. where we, that doesn't get dredged. Uh, so let's see, we got anything we want to plug? Oh, anybody has any money want to send to us so we can spend for you? Uh, <laughs> I know that's facetious as heck, yeah, but I, uh, we, we can do that. I, I've money. Yeah. 
I'm just glad to get in order. I'm glad people are getting in. We had, uh, we yes. dove tonight and we had Carlton, who I haven't seen for six years. He showed up finally, finding out he lives across the lake on the lake and he hadn't been in the water for six years. Really? Oh, this was getting back in the water. He was afraid it was going to be cold. Freaking temperature was 70 degrees. Didn't need to use this water. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, we had Matt, uh, the guy who has a big fuzzy hair because he plays hockey. Okay. Remember, he did the New Year's ice dive this year and last year. Yeah. Uh, he was there with his dad getting a reacquainted dive. Uh, Jim showed, and he acted as surface support for everybody who was getting reacquainted with their gear. Uh, John went out. I went out. I was practicing search patterns with the metal detector. And, uh, of course, John comes back in with a very, very nice Hutchison. Oh, Hutchie. <laughs> and, and offered to let Jim touch in. Or, you, you, you can touch my Hutchie? Yeah, because it took Jim 30 years to find a good one. And that, that's I think that's a uh, T-shirt line right there. I'll let you touch my Hutchie. <laughs> uh, and all I found, I mean, since I was just... Practicing that, I got hairpins, old-fashioned ones, nails. About the only interesting item was a brass nozzle that you would hook into a oil can. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to go back out to find if I can find that oil can now. And they saw some fish out there, but it was very nice. Kids are out there swimming. Oh yeah, oh, they were yeah. out there last week. Those they had three gals out there and around us and it's like how the hell could they do that I'd have frozen myself and it was it was cold last week mm-hmm. yeah well it just gets warmer from here on out yeah oh uh, when the kids are sitting in front of you and your lips are purple they're shivering and says I'm not cold I'm not cold yeah, <laughs> yeah. now how was the uh, visibility at uh three feet except where I was fanning after I was going to <laughs> And everybody else had three to five, unless they ran near where I was. Yeah. Well, it is getting, yeah, three to five this time of year is not bad. Oh, they had, uh, they had a boat go about 20 feet from um, Matt's flag. Like a slalom? No, he was just cruising how they like to cruise the coast. Uh-huh. And it just, it's like, flag, what flag? So he was in about 28 foot of water. He didn't come up. Right. But, you know, that's crazy. Yeah, we need to do our education thing. I wonder if there's something that we can do with the marinas. Well, we put I put the uh, diver flag information every year at both of the public accesses. I plasticize them and put them there. What else can you do? Well, yes, people don't read that. I always go there and read it myself. I like to put on the board like, oh, yeah, we put sonar in it here. Don't swim. Now, I wonder if we printed stuff out in advance, would the, I don't know if the Coast Guard or would the, uh, who does inspections other than the Coast Guard? Doesn't the auxiliary do inspections? Sheriff Department, Marine Division. Marine Division. I wonder, and I, and I know the guy who was in the Marine Division, a good acquaintance of mine, so I, I, I should ask him if, if we printed stuff out, if they would hand it out. I mean, I have, uh, mm-hmm. sent to the Sheriff, the, the, Captain, whatever his rank is, in uh, Michigan City and New Buffalo, they were in Wolf Store. They found the signs we make, mm-hmm. the laminated ones. Yep. And uh, so I sent each of them a dozen. I only laminated two. They right. laminated them themselves and sent them a dozen each. 
So I don't know what they did with them and where they put them. But. Well, what I'm thinking is if, if they do an inspection, if they could hand it to the people who they just inspected and you know make it non-promotional, just informational, saying, hey, here's the Michigan regulations on dive flags. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, they might just throw it away as soon as they leave. But at least we've done something. Because it's not like, you know, driver's ed in a car where you go through and you got to take a test and learn all these rules. You can you can get, I can buy a boat and put it in the water and do whatever I want. Uh, I've got, you don't have to have any training. So I don't know how you get that. Because people don't see postings. They don't see signs. Everything's got a sign. So you got to think of another way of getting it in front of people. Yeah. Well, it's that time of year. So if you're not getting out and diving, I don't know what this. This is just perfect. And I've got I've got my dive buddies who haven't been in the water, and the ones who don't have health or other reasons. I'm giving a little bit of grief, and we're gonna get some dive time. Just gotta get get something in. We're getting a little late for the Muskegon. That's visit that on the Muskegon's gonna be time of year. <laughs> but I think a max wreck dive is due. Ann Arbor Five is a beautiful wreck to dive. Now, is there their buoy? Is that Cook is now live? How about the buoy? There's there one in South Haven this year. There's one in South Haven. It's on my phone now. There's one in Michigan City, and there's ours. Okay. So compare the three when you're getting out there. You'll see which way the wind is blowing, and it's increasing or decreasing the wave height and frequency. And what I'm yeah. looking for is the different layers uh, where the thermocline is, because yeah. to me the best viz is when you have about five to ten feet off the bottom is where the thermocline is. Mm-hmm. That seems to be where we've got that hundred foot visibility. So that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. We got to get it before it starts flipping. Once it starts flipping, then it's it gets unpredictable. Uh, as far as gear purchases, Mac, do you have anything on the radar of, of gear you're going to be looking for? Uh well, I had my first stage crap out on me last week. I'm in the water about thirty seconds, and here this pop, and no air. I'm sure so glad that didn't happen when I was down on the wreck. So uh, I turned that in. He took it apart. And the piston in the first stage has seized up inside for whatever reason, meaning you can't get it out. So I now have a new hard body on that one. Oh. And uh, I took my other backup, my good Poseidon regulators. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, took the button gauge off, put a six-inch hose with a gauge on it, so I can definitely see my error on my bailout. Okay. And I, I'm doing a, a chest mount for that, and it's really comfortable. I like it, and it's very handy for me to use. Excellent. Well, I've got to replace my high-pressure hose for obvious reasons. Leaking the whole length of it would be one. Uh, I need to change the battery of my dive computer and put a new back on it. The back is from flooding a couple times is, is corroded and I really need a new back for that. I've had a little bit of challenge finding parts, so I hope I can order a kit that will get me uh, the whole back plate. Because the computer itself is fine. It's mm-hmm. just that that back plate, what they do is they is it's plastic with a liner and it's like uh, nickel coated or something. And just from moisture and battery and whatever as it's to corrode a little bit it works you know when i when i seal it up but i just want something a little bit better um and then bc the bc is looking pretty tired 
So that's probably my next purchase is get back into using a wing again. And then I need a new mask. And you know, there's always something. I mean, that's a good thing. What's, what's that uh, Facebook post out there? Uh, somebody said that I you don't need any more dive gear. I don't need that type of negativity in my life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I And when I go dive into more, I've got at least two regulators. So if one craps out, I got my back up. I always have a fair mask, an extra fin. Because sure as hell you don't, you're going to want that rag, mask, or fin. I, I always, I usually have an extra mask. I've got a snorkel that's in my bag. Uh, fin, I mean, I do have an extra fin, but I never take it with me. Well, you do on trips. Yeah, if I'm if I'm going hours away, right. then I'll take it with me. But it's yeah. I I I'm getting better at packing light, not having too much stuff in the car. Uh, I do need to. I I was weighted a little heavy because I was using my river weighting, and plus I've lost some weight this spring, which is probably a good thing. Uh, so I need to uh, adjust that a little bit. I can probably drop another six pounds. Uh, but I didn't feel like a lot of times when I'm overweighted, I you kind of feel out of control, and I didn't feel that way this time. This is really a good dive. I was really pleased. So hopefully this this weekend, I don't think I'm going to have an opportunity to get out. We have a holiday weekend, family things, parades, and other stuff. So I'm not going to have much chance that way. But maybe the following weekend, my daughter's tennis team has qualified for state competition, so that's going to be Saturday. Maybe Sunday I can turn into it. We'll have to see. Somebody popped open. I can't. A brew, man. Well, I, heard, I have no idea what you're talking about. I heard that. <laughs> I don't got one of those. No, it, it's a Diet Coke, but it's it's going into a little captain. Okay. <laughs> uh, who's not a sponsor. Should be a sponsor. Could uh, be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Then start some micro-sponsorship possibilities. Uh, the ways to listen to the show is you can get us on iTunes. I need to investigate investigate google play they're doing some stuff with podcasts uh, i'm betting that they've already picked up the the show just to be competitive we're on stitcher smart radio again we have wrvo radio uh, and there's probably a variety of other ways listening you can go directly to talk show and most of your podcasting software will take the rss feed right from there if you need to um, the website's www.scubobsessed.com on twitter at scubobsessed and facebook is facebook.com forward slash scubobsessed and someday I will update that website. <laughs> but until then, are you ready for that time of the show? Yes, I am. Uh, Rod sent me a joke, but I think we're going to skip that one for now. And you'll have to tell me, Mac, if I've done this one before. If I have, we'll, we'll have to do a different So okay. Here we go. A scuba diver boarded a bus with his front pockets full of recent find of golf balls. He sat down next to, of all people, a beautiful blonde. The blonde kept looking quizzically at him and his bulging pockets. After many such glances from her, he said, It's golf balls. Nevertheless, the blonde continued to look at him thoughtfully, and finally, not being able to contain her curiosity any longer, asked, Does it hurt as much as tennis elbow? No, you haven't used that one before. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. I don't think it hurts as much as tennis elbow. <laughs> so until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. 
Call recording has been completed.